Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, and The Catch. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast of the night that we call TGIT, which involves Thursday. And I'm really excited to be back with one of the coolest people I've ever met, actually. (laughs) He's super, super cool. He's really talented. He's actually very, very well-groomed today as well, which is always incredibly important. And unusual. And and I wouldn't say unusual. (laughs) And he's a hyphenate, you guys. Not only does he act on the fine show Grey's Anatomy, but he directs on the fine show of Grey's Anatomy and also sometimes can be found singing and playing instruments on the show Grey's Anemone. I said Grey's Anemone, which I think is an interesting spinoff, Grey's Anemone. (laughs) Yeah. It's the underwater version. Um, that would be Kevin McKidd, who plays Owen Hunt. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hi, Kevin. Nice to see you. Okay, Kevin is doing a Johnny Cash today. He's a man all dressed in black. I am all in black. I just didn't even, I didn't even plan that. You didn't, but you know, you're totally coordinated. Am I wor- is it working? It's super working. Okay, you look good. super cool. You've got a black t-shirt and some black jeans and some yeah. black shoes. I have a brown jacket. And so. he's got a brown jacket to set the whole thing off. This really cool brown leather sort of longer bomber jacket, I would yeah. say. And even the face of your watch is black. It's true. You're right. It's with old. the white, with white dials, and we are here to talk about. I got to say, like one of my favorite episodes so far in the history of Grey's Anatomy. I think. Really? I I'm love this fun. episode, and I thought you did such an amazing job with this, which of course is the hideous child custody proceedings for Callie in Arizona. This was such an interesting episode because, in a weird way, we're just talking about this. It's like a standalone in yeah. a strange way. It's like its own little, you said, movie. Yes, yeah, so in my head, I saw it as like a movie. He's like Kramer versus Kramer and yeah. you know that I was like this is kind of our version of that you know yeah. it's definitely as intense as that and it really did feel like it's kind of its own little movie this episode it's very apart most of the episode is in a courtroom or around the courtroom so. yeah and even the major plot which goes on in the hospital is affected by the courtroom because right. of course it's Arizona not being able to get back and take care of her patient and whether right. or not you know poor Alex Karev should pick up a phone or not it turns out it was a good idea that he picked up the phone yeah. Yeah, Dr. Russo, I think. Yeah, yeah Dr. Russo. Who, is, who made some questionable choices. He's not a bad first. doctor, but no, just, he's just not, old but he's school. not one of our Too doctors. No. And our yeah. doctors are the best doctors. We are. <laughs> you guys are amazing doctors. We break the box every week. You do. You absolutely do. <laughs> do you ever find in your real life that people actually believe that you can do this stuff? Do they ask you medical people advice? People ask if I know anything medically, if I've actually gleaned anything <laughs> so far. And I'm like, oh, I can think I can take somebody's pulse. And I think I could probably tell if somebody looked kind of sick, you know, but that's kind of it. It's sad to say. I mean, poor Linda Klein, she will be like, Kevin, really? How many times <laughs> have I shown you how to put a rubber glove on? You know? And I'm like, I should really be getting this now, Linda. And he, but you're like, really good at fake surgery yeah you always look like you know exactly what you're doing your fake surgery is impeccable i do sort of feel like it is one of these things that we've talked about here before but i think it is really weird that i don't know i feel like i'm an excellent fake doctor and so i'm always giving people advice which is not correct <laughs> right. ever but i do it really with an authoritarian way which sort of indicates that because we work in a medical show and we deal with medical stuff all the time i'm always just sort of like yeah i know <laughs> but yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I suppose the defining question is if either one of us was on a plane mid-flight and somebody <laughs> took ill and they said, is there a doctor in the plane and nobody put up the hand, would we be the ones to go, out of my way, everybody, just let me step in there or not? I'm, I'm a doctor on TV. I play a doctor on TV. I could do this. I can super handle this. Right. I can I can super, super handle this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, for one, was really, really relieved when Arizona showed up and saved that baby. Yeah. And things really went in Arizona's direction in this episode. It's, so, it's such an interesting episode episode this I mean 
in a way, it's, you know, because it really talks about themes, this episode, about, you know, yeah. working mums, working parents. What is fair? You know, should a working parent be penalised? Uh, you know, it's, yes, it raises totally. really kind of significant questions about custody and about the family law system in this country. I just thought it was an amazing sequence where you see Arizona when she's she's giving her testimony and her phone starts to ring and it's ringing off the hook and she has to answer it even though she's right there and you know giving her under oath and I thought she acted this brilliantly yeah uh, and I really helped guide her I think hopefully you know that there's this moment where she kind of gives up her child to the universe strangely yep. and has you see her go through all the heartbreak and all the emotions right in a, like it's a three or four seconds on on film you see her go through all this grieving process of that because she knows that she has to answer the calling that she has to this patient and yep. to this you know baby back at the hospital yeah and she basically gives up her child to the fate or to Callie or to whatever it's going to be she she gives over the power of trying to control the situation to yeah. something higher I think yeah. and ironically that's why usually in a karmic way or whatever you, I'm getting here a bit you know that things yeah. come back to you strangely if yeah. you fully let something go things actually and I think that's one of the beautiful things about this episode I agree I also felt like just as somebody watching it who knows a little bit about the system but doesn't know a ton about the system and certainly has never gone through the system I think the thing which is appalling is how innocent personal details then get turned around mm. into something negative and on both sides mm -hmm. very effectively because as we all know you got to win mm -hmm. so you do whatever you can to win and mm -hmm. as you said I think the fact that the thing which is really on trial here is your lifestyle choice and if you work does that make you a bad mother Callie's leaving town to be the woman she cares yeah. about is that making a better home is she leaving also for work? But for Arizona, she has gone to more emergency surgeries. Yeah. Does that make her a bad mother? Does it make it a bad mother for Meredith, who makes this incredibly eloquent point about how it always takes a village? But then when you take the village away, can you replace? All of those points were just, yeah. and the fact that you're deemed a slut because you go out with your boss and hang out, and which is only perspective and point of view, but all of those things are really incredibly troubling and have to do with different points of view and then you go back to the hospital and you have a senior you know OBGYN Pete yeah. specialist whose approach is absolutely and totally different than something that we're used to so it's it's a really I don't know it's just a super compelling episode and yeah. I don't really see anything quite like that on TV I really think, right I'm really I'm really pleased I'm really proud of it and I think you're right I mean it's so interesting that it brought up so many kind of discussions while we shot the episode all of yeah. us were really engaged in talking about what is the why you know why is the system built to be so adversarial to create these two sides because the hurt that can be inflicted you know in an open court by these very skilled lawyers whose job is to win for dig the dirt and throw That's mud right. and to question put on trial the person's you know and these two people People loved each other. Callie and Arizona were in love. Well, and now they're instructing these lawyers to, you know, sort of pull them down. And it's so... You know, I think weirdly, two of the things which were most impactful when you first start this episode is the previously on, because the previously on tracks the history of their relationship. Right. And it's kind of devastating. You sort of start the episode that way. And then it's Meredith's voiceover about the biblical story of a kid being torn in half, potentially. And that you could tell the parent that really loved because they wouldn't let that happen. That whole sequence in the very beginning that you shot is beautiful and super poetic, but incredibly, it's just perfect because it's, I mean, it's sort of all about point of view mm -hmm. because you have all those shots of like the shoe and the anxiety and the side of the head and the, it's all, what are you seeing? What aren't you seeing? You know, which I thought was such an interesting way of entering into this episode because it was such a 
emotional sort of contemplative sideways very anxious way of getting into this world right how did you take how did you approach this episode differently than you have the other things that you've directed yeah i mean i i that opening sequence really it's funny because the title card you know when the title card comes yes, up yes that isn't the place where the title card usually comes up but for some reason i was completely just when as soon as i my first read of the script i was like and that's where the title card should be you know where you, where you get the two faces when the lawyers say we're going to see you in court and then you see Arizona and, and Callie sit, they're sitting. In my head, they, were, had, they had to be sitting. And the two lawyers stand up and it's like, oh my God, you know, our two people we love are losing power, giving their power to these two lawyers who totally. are going to create this havoc, really. And I just thought, in my head, I just had this image of very close eyes shots of uh. Callie and Arizona looking at each other. And then through that, the, this title card comes, and, which is not what we usually do at the end of the act. We always do at the end of the act. But it just felt like the right place. And so there was lots of things that really just flowed out of me in this episode. Maybe it's because I have kids. I don't, I, I don't know. But, you know, it really, I felt very connected to this episode. Yeah. And very sort of in tune with it. And, you know, I kind of just followed it. It kind of dictated to me in a way. But again, yeah. I'm starting to sound really, nope, uh, but it really felt like the, the, the writing, which was so beautiful, and Tia did a great job, yeah. really dictated to me what where I thought I could bring it and kind of raise it up to this kind of next level, you know. You really did, because there's so many moments in that where I feel like you really get so into the head of the characters. I thought the, actually, everybody in the courtroom was really, really good. Both the attorneys for each of them were Fantastic. incredibly good. The judge was really great. It's just the whole environment. There's also that speech that the judge, who I think is Anna Marie Johnson, says in the very beginning, which is, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Which, it's like you've already been through the prologue before the title card, and they're both ready and spoiling for a fight and you just know that there's no good outcome here no i know there's no winners there's only degrees of loss oh, exactly. <laughs> you know? now do you remember at the table read what the reaction was when they found out who won yeah people were i remember there was gasps i was there, there was and gasps. i do sort of remember that i think a lot of people who hadn't read the script couldn't believe that we made a choice you know, I think that you're sort of waiting for the end that something will resolve itself, but then the choice gets made. Yeah. And there was, I, I, I remember, not consternation as much as a fair amount of shock. Yeah, you were gasping. And I think what I love about it too, just exactly that, the fact that there was a choice and that we didn't do that thing where we could go, well, we ah, here's a, a cliffhanger, exactly. <laughs> you know, for next, who's going to get the blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was brilliant. It made the episode fear even more complete to give it that, you know, to give it that this is the choice. And I, it's funny because I, when I read it the first time and I heard Arizona's testimony when she walks out of the courtroom and I shot so many different angles of her walking out yeah, of the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. And they, everybody kept saying to me, why are you shooting her exit so much? And I was like, I just feel like this is a huge moment. It's maybe the biggest moment in the episode, the moment where she decides to walk out and basically be kind of in contempt of court and walk away from her child and walk back to save this little baby. And that lawyer it's going... It's a huge moment. I know. You know? <laughs> so I was like, I'm shooting this from three, four different angles because I need that to really land how impactful that decision is. And I just thought it played, played great. So I, it's funny, when I first read it, I, there was something in my head just went... The fact that Arizona did that, walked out at that point, I wasn't surprised. Most people were, but I was like, that is a kind of, as I say, it's like her letting her go. And I thought, well, I and taking her power back. Because the thing is, what happens in those situations is you give all your power away to this situation, which is larger than you are. And she yeah. takes her power back by saying, you know what? Completely. I'm, I'm not going to pay. I'm yeah. just not going to play this, which is just incredibly moving to watch. And I love that scene at the end. I mean, there's two scenes at the very end of the episode where Callie, you know, you see Meredith walk down the, 
the hallway with her daughter and we're on their backs and then you don't know who's there to collect her and then you see it's Jessica and that's when it's revealed. And then Sarah's performance when she breaks down is amazing. And then that last scene, you know, out in the street, which again is very, only two sentences spoken by the two actors, by Jessica and the child. And the child just says, can we go home? And she says, yeah, we can. But I shot it from so many angles and everyone was like, why are you making such a big deal of this? And I was like, please, just, I have this Trust gut feeling. Me. To me, that shot when it goes up into the trees and it kind of is kind of a big movie ending when yeah. they walk down the street and finally they're in the light. I wanted it to be really light and sunny and, and nice, finally, after being in this dark, oppressive, mahogany clad room for, you know what I mean, where decisions are being, I don't know, there was something about that that I thought was. No, was and what's nice is you also spend a lot of time low. Yeah. And it's like you went up. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, when she's dropping her off, to Meredith's house in the morning and with Amelia. Yeah. It's all sort of very low yeah, and very like sinks a lot. dark and everything, your camera sinks a lot. You're always like going down to a level, but the moving up was like incredibly freeing and yeah. nice and just this really, really cool contrast. See, you guys think it's easy to direct a television show, but it really isn't. There's and one see more thought how much thought that goes into it. <laughs> and the best shows look like they happened really naturally, yeah. but it still takes a lot of thought. And in Kevin's case, Clearly a lot of instinct. Now, one of the best things about this episode, probably as a director, was you weren't in it very much. <laughs> no, I was in, I did my testimony. That's kind you of You did, your testimony, you really, there's just a little bit, but that's you right. were really heavy last episode. Yeah, that's right. Because you and Amelia sort of sorted some some crapola out. We did, those two, man, they're, they're fast-tracking their they're thing. They're just yeah. racing through the speedy line. I know. Well, they have been shilly-shallying a little bit. They've been shilly a good way of putting it. They've been a little back and forth. They so. haven't, there's been a fair amount of back and forth, I'd say for about a season now, yeah. so I think, technically. I think it's like I think they they've I think earned, you've the, earned right. the right to drive forward. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. a little more zest. And I'm excited um, about it. Those scenes were so fun to shoot. You guys are really funny together anyway. I love Your energy is really good together. I think it's great. Because like when she's there at the trailer and she's doing her crazy Amelia thing and then Owen's just kind of like leaning against the truck, kind of just kind of waiting waiting for her to stop talking so he can kiss her. <laughs> you I know, know, really? I know. <laughs> it's totally. Just shut the hell up. <laughs> just shut the hell up. I also just think it's really funny that, okay, Amelia, who's definitely had a track record of ups and downs mm -hmm. in her career, and I'm including private practice in that for all of you folks who remember it. But like, Owen used to have PTSD. Totally. So the truth is like, slippery slope, dude. Like, you actually <laughs> want to see a real trauma? <laughs> Super awesome. It's really nice because I think both really understand trauma and pain and loss. Yeah, they do. Which is great, but also both sometimes can go sort of dark in a hole. Yeah, I love working with Katarina. She's such a blast. She's, She's so, so smart. lovely. She's so smart. She puts so much thought into it and we just get on like a house on fire. Yeah, you, you guys know? are, you guys are so much fun to watch. I feel so lucky because I struck lightning twice. I mean, I got to have Sandra, Sandra for yeah. five, six years and now I'm with this amazing person too. So I feel very blessed. Now, I know this is not going to surprise you, but we have like a butt-ton of fan questions for you. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. Lots of people want to know many things, okay. um, cool. which is not surprising because I want to know many things, which is why this position I did see is them really come great. in on the Twitter feed over the last 24 hours. I was like, wow, there's a lot. Um, okay, so Nikki, and Nikki Iconic wants to know, in what ways do you feel like you do relate to Owen? In what ways do you not? Hi, Nikki. Good question. I feel like I feel like I relate to him. I'm similar to him in that I I like to think that I have a conscience, you know, in the sense that like he's always 
feels responsible and he has to sort of, especially when he was chief. I mean, he was chief for like four years. You know, he felt, he took that stuff, the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I'm a little bit like that. And the ways I'm not like him is that he doesn't use, use his words sometimes. I like to use my words and <laughs> express, express how I'm feeling. And if things yeah. are an issue, then I'll try and, yeah, sometimes I don't do it, but he You're will- You're very direct about things. I try yeah. to be, but he's kind of much more, he won't talk and just go and act out somewhere for three episodes before finally they go, T just tell us what the issue is, Owen. You know, and he'll go mm, and finally say it. You know, yes, so. it's a little bit of the relationship with Nathan this season, which yeah. is a little bit like, yeah. that's been so fun to play all that. By stuff. the way, if you guys are the best together, I just always wait for you guys because there's lots of who's going to punch who. Who's going to punch who? It's great. Yeah. I mean, like the best television. Well, I ever. love that, that. Linda Klein sent me a text after they aired the episode where we do that sort of ballet surgery together. Yes. And Linda Klein texted me after that and she said, that's the best surgery we've done on this show since we started that surgery between Nathan and Owen. And old Martin Henderson, who of course had a little bit of practice on yeah. Off the Map. That's right. Right, yeah. So when we hired him again, I was like, get out the salad tossers because you're coming back, baby. <laughs> because he takes that stuff really seriously, too. Yeah. He loves doing all that work. And sort of connected to that mm -hmm. is, do you think, this is um, Downey Perry, do you think you and Owen would be buddies in real life? I do think we would be. I think he, you know, he likes his single malt scotch. I like my single malt scotch. Who doesn't? He likes trucks. I like trucks. <laughs> you have a lot in common. <laughs> I know. That's a whole That's all you conversation need. right there. That's it. That's all you need. I also think it's funny that 12 by 14 Anna at Scrub Caps wants to know, were you surprised that Owen had a sister? And I'd say, yes, you probably were. I was a little surprised. You were a little surprised. Because yeah. we met Owen's mom. Met Owen's mom. But I don't think we ever mentioned the sister. No, but I think it's great. I think it gives him a whole other darker layer. You oh, know, yeah. Which is great. It's which always is... great to find unearth new stuff about your character. I always love what family does. Yeah. Like popping up dead family, live family. Vague family, it all just gives you this whole like background, which is yeah. super, super fun. Poulette at Marvelous Swift wants to know, this is an Amelia question, which okay. I find, you just get one letter? I know, I only get one, that's not, the balance is not right. I'm going to say. Well, I suppose the E, the E we share, we share the E. You right? do, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I would have said Aumelia. Aumelia, yeah. Or Aumelia. I know, I guess... <laughs> I'm bad at this. Owenelia. 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 get my whole name in there. You get your whole name. That's bad. That's not bad. <laughs> That's actually not bad. <laughs> now the season's ended. What's your favorite Omelia scene? There's so many that I enjoy playing. But I think that scene, I thought, out in the porch of Meredith's house, it was when he just came back from war. Remember, he'd gone yeah. back. And she had the bag of oxy, and they both gave these amazing speeches and were just so raw with each other. Because it was like a seven-page-long scene, and I just thought Owen really showed up in a really... And I think that scene was the scene where I knew, and I think a lot of people knew, this is not just a flirtation. This is not just a, there's something really deep running between these two people. So I love that scene. Yeah. Um, Shep Words at Team Shep Words wants to know, if Owen and Amelia had a theme song, what would it be? <laughs> I don't know why the theme tune from MASH came into my mind. That's, That's good. So weird. I like that. <laughs> Suicide is dangerous. Suicide is painless. Pain, painless. That's it. <laughs> it's a little like morbid, it. but that's anyway. morbid. But I like it. That's good. I think. I think. I think we'll go with that. And it's better than hit me with your best shot, <laughs> which might actually apply much more to this episode right. of television. Or this Boogie week, Wonderland right? or something like that. Ex I think. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Camilla L. Camilla L. News at Camilla News wants to know: Will you and Camilla ever use your real accents again? <laughs> We will for you. We will. Next season, we will See, do a See, he is scene. right now. You know, I remember back 
thinking about this because we really were tempted to have you use your original accent. Mm. Do you remember this? Yeah. That when we first started talking to you about coming to, to play this part, because we'd met you I, for a while before we cast you as Owen, I yeah. think. there was you, We'd met you in another kind of lifetime and really loved you. And we kept trying to figure out a way that we could justify making a U.S. military guy <laughs> have your accent because we loved your accent so much. And we kept thinking, no, I just don't think we can, unfortunately. This is, yeah. hey, my chair's creaking, you guys. Can you hear that? It's super creepy. But it's like, I, the, we struggled with it and finally gave up and realized that you were you did a very good American accent. So I, I'm going to say, I'm glad because I love doing it. I've always loved doing accents. And yeah, you're really good at it, too. Like, you. instinctively really good at it. I love it. And it just gives me something. It may, gives me a switch that I know I'm stepping into Owen, you know, so there's no ambiguity or gray area. Because I think sometimes when you're on a show for a long time, you're character and yourself can I mean there's definitely lots of me in Owen obviously but your character and yourself can sort of merge a little much sometimes and so then your own neurosis can play out in the character sometimes not in the best way so I find having that accent really feels like a, a, you know a switch that I can turn and go okay now I'm being this person and I can I think also direct things help me be more objective about Owen's yeah. choices because sometimes I get mad at Owen and I'm like why is he doing that why is he doing this why is he not talking because I have this accent it really helps me sort of go no he's a different person he isn't you <laughs> you know that's cool actually no and and it's funny with Martin because when we brought Martin on we really really wanted him to do his accent because we just like really? super love his accent yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're a sucker. <laughs> sucker I'm a for a sucker good for a good accent. I, I just, <laughs> I gotta tell you. And on that front, Kara at Sloan's Avery wants to know, do you enjoy working with Martin? I do. Martin's great. He likes to surf. I like to surf. And um, we haven't <laughs> actually been out surfing yet, but we talk about it. I was going to ask you that. So you just talk about it. We talk, we're going to go out this summer when we're both off. We've been talking about uh, going out. He's a great sailor. I didn't, you probably didn't know this about Martin. Martin's a he's sailor. He's a very passionate and very skilled sailor. I've always wanted to learn to sail, so he's promised that at some point he's going to teach me how to sail. We're going to go, go oh, sail, the, sail the seas. That's going to be fun. Martin's great. Bina at Bina Surya um, wants to know which is harder to act and direct emotional scenes or complicated procedures? Oh, I think the emotional scenes. Because, you know, the complicated procedures is like rubbing your head and, or tapping your stomach and rubbing your head. So it's or like bad coordination more yeah. than anything. And that's tricky and challenging, but I think to have to repeat, especially if it's quite deep emotions, that's definitely harder, I think. And um, Bina also just wants to know which char Gray's character would make the best U.S. president and why. <laughs> My default answer is usually Bailey to everything like that. But I think actually Owen... Most of us just answer Bailey to a lot of things, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. Richard, come on. Actually, Richard Webber. Richard, Richard Webber would be a great president. Sense of humor, stately, knows his crap. Wise. I think he'd be great. He'd be a great president. Linz at Peace Love Graves wants to know, how did you get into directing? I always wanted to do it. And I, I, I just kind of asked. I remember I asked Shonda and I asked everybody, would I be allowed to shadow directors? And I shadowed Tony Phelan and Alison Liddy Brown. And then at that time, we were doing what we call them, the web, the webisodes, the second season of the webisodes. Just as I was finishing shadowing, they were looking for people to direct them. And they were like five minutes long. I remember that, yep. And um, they gave me like a little budget and a little crew. Off I went and made these, I think, six episodes, five minute episodes. And I loved it. And, and Sean Hanley, who's now our first AD, was my first AD on that. So we've become very close. And then right as I was in post-production on the webisodes, a director, I think, fell out for some reason. And Rob came to me and said, 
you know, you're up, you know, get up there and do it. And I was like, uh, really? And I, I was a little terrified, but very excited. That's how it happened. That's how it all See? went down. It feels like such a long time ago, too, because it kind of was. It was like four years ago, like four five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So soy, soy at Soyuri <laughs> wants to know, having directed so many episodes of Grey's, what's the number one thing you've learned? Hmm, that's a really interesting question, actually. I've learned a lot about storytelling. It's actually informed my acting a lot, being a director. Because I think, again, when you're playing a character, you're so, you're, you're so your character's advocate that you can't see the wood from the trees sometimes. Yeah, and yeah, if your yeah. character's doing bad things or irrational things or mean things, you sort of jump to the defense of your character and want to fight on their behalf and sort of advocate for them and say, no, my character would never do this. And then being a director has given me this much more, the broad view of, no, we need, the show and the story can only work. Somebody has to be the bad guy sometimes. You know, there has to be that agitating element to create, to make the world go around, you know? <laughs> and that, that was one of the biggest things I've learned. I gotta say, one of the hardest things when I, long, long, long time ago when I was an actor for like 10 minutes, um, the hardest thing for me was, I always understood you were supposed to be the largest advocate for your character, but the reason I knew that I could never really act was I could identify with every single character. I'd be like, I'm having a really hard time making this argument because they just made a really, really, really good argument. <laughs> and the director would say, but you're your character. So no, no, I get my point of view, but they also have a really, really good point here. So, which is not the best way to walk into a character in a part. Right. So I think it is more similar to directing where you have to even handily know the pros and cons of everybody's position and then set them loose and right. make them go, which is just, it's kind of nice to take a break from the insulation of the point of view of your character sometimes. Completely. To see the big picture. Right? The big picture of what's, what, this, what is going on. Um, so Bobblehead Lives at Bobblehead Lives, who we love. Bobblehead's just the best. Um, <laughs> wants to know, every day for eight minutes, if you could go anywhere or be anything, what would you do? So every day you have eight minutes. So it has to be the same thing every day. Let's say the same thing. I would go surfing for eight go minutes. Go surfing for eight minutes. Okay. That's pretty good. But big waves, like, you know, he overhead Not high. just like surfing, like getting up on the board. No. You'd have to be like big, big midway overhead on the board, waves, getting, onto the big... getting barreled, as they call it. Um, so interestingly enough, you got a lot of questions about Scotland. So I'm going to end, end with one of them, which is Katiana Marriott, Katiana 19. What was it like growing up in Elgin? And how did it get you where you are today? <laughs> Elgin is like funny. It's a funny little town and I love it now, but at the time, I couldn't wait to get away from it. How that big place. is Elgin? It's about 50,000, maybe 40,000 people. That's, that's a bit wee. And it's right up in the Highlands, way, way up there, away from any cosmopolitan city or anything. It's country. It's a country place. And it was that kind of classic Luke Skywalker thing in the opening of Star Wars. Like he looks out to the sunset and goes, there's a whole rebellion and a universe going on out there. But it's as far away from the place I am as I could possibly be. And I remember I went to the local playhouse. I remember I w I'd already done a couple of little plays at school and then I watched E.T. in the Elgin Playhouse and that film and the fact that I was feeling this yearning about something out there and I didn't know I couldn't quantify it or put a name to it but that something about I was doing plays I, I was a very shy kid but the play doing the play seemed to unleash me from that shyness E.T. just kind of crystallized everything I was like mm -hmm. that's what I want to do and then I just kind of followed that path from the age of nine I guess so yeah so that was so Elgin really would be the reason I ended up here because of Elgin was because I was finding a way to get away from it. 
<laughs> you know? And now I love going back to it and I miss it all the time. So, so it worked out. Thank you so much, Kevin. This we was done? so nice of you to do this. See, it wasn't, okay? wasn't painful at all. I love doing this. Can um, I do it more? You can do it whenever you want. You can come every week because this is like the most relaxing time. Like I just get to hang out and like yeah. look at you and talk to you, which is the best. <laughs> um, next time on TGIT, that's Thursday, May 12th. We have another new Grey's Anatomy. You guys, there are only two episodes left of the show. There are only two episodes out of 24 shows, which by the way, is a lot of shows. And we love doing them and I love watching them, but we're just getting to the end, which is super cool. And it's getting really good, you guys. It's getting really, really good. And I'm just going to say, you're going to have a lot of Owen and Amelia this episode. And it's, oh, it's so good. And there's so many cool surprises. You're going to really love it. Yep. And that's at eight o'clock on ABC. As you guys know, that's ABC. The season finale of Scandal is next week, y'all. It's called That's My Girl. It's super intense. As always with Scandal, there's some big freaking slamming surprises here in the season finale that's going to keep you hanging on till next season. That's uh, 9 o'clock on ABC Thursday night. And The Catch. There are only two episodes left of The Catch, okay? So it's really getting down to the wire for these folks. It's going to be like a two-hour finale coming up. But this week, it's called The Package. And... I'm just going to say the package is not what you think it is. <laughs> so keep that in mind. And that's at 10 o'clock on ABC. And of course, thanks again to EW.com for posting an exclusive first lesson of the podcast every Thursday night. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes.com backslash Shondaland, where each new podcast episode is available on Friday evenings. And I'm going to be back next week with another new Shondaland Revealed podcast. And it's getting near the end of the season. So just watch the shows and then listen because then you can go back and re-watch the show and that'll be good because everybody's going to have a lot of time to do it soon because it's going to be summer. It's going to be great. In the meantime, this is Betsy Beers. I'm signing off. Have a great week. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.